They don't just happen during an afternoon of focused study prior to a Sunday service. Most powerful sermons begin in the heart of a minister in much the same way the human life begins in the womb. All human life begins as a single cell, which then grows and multiplies until it becomes a self-sustaining life that is capable of supporting its own weight. Similarly, sermons begin as a tiny seed of life. They typically originate through real-life experiences that make a lot more sense when joined with the wisdom that is harnessed through daily, systematic Bible study. Through much thought and great deal of prayer, the sermon begins to take a life of its own. Until it is delivered, it grows inside of you until you feel like you can't stand it anymore. Finally, you deliver the sermon and your soul is relieved from the weight of that matter. Then the sermon takes on a life of its own in the heart of those who hear it. I was right in the middle of this spiritual birthing process when this book was born. My own sermon about the year of Jubilee was about half developed in my spirit, and my soul was just about ready to give birth to the teaching that had germinated and grown within my heart for a long, long time. But just as I was about to launch into some final intense preparations for that teaching, the Holy Spirit spoke forcefully to my heart and said, Wait a minute. Don't preach that sermon on the year of Jubilee. I have something different I want you to do with the understanding I have given you regarding this matter. Of course, I was perplexed by this change, of course, and more than a little frustrated. My heroes and mentors were preaching about Jubilee. My friends were preaching about Jubilee. I wanted to preach about Jubilee too, especially since I had a different twist on the subject. But God said, no, I have something else I want you to do. I want you to write a book. I want you to keep studying until you connect a few more dots. And then I want you to write down what you learn so you can help a lot more people better understand the eternal principles I sought to convey when I established the year of Jubilee in the first place. So I set aside my plans to preach a sermon on the subject, and instead I continued to study. Then one day, it all came together for me. On that memorable day, I remember reading a passage of Scripture that is quite familiar to all of us. Certainly it was familiar to me. You know, as I do, that familiar passages often lose their ability to impact us because we tend to speed right through them, focusing only upon the truths that we already gleaned from them rarely slowing down to look for new nuggets or revelation that await our probing minds. But on this occasion, I broke with that bad habit and allowed God to show me something I think will help you. It certainly helped me. What was the passage of Scripture that I was reading when that happened? I was reading that familiar passage from Isaiah, the same passage that Jesus was asked to read when he revealed his identity as Messiah and when he announced his earthly ministry to the members of his hometown synagogue in Nazareth. I was reading Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, which declares prophetically, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and the release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When I read this passage anew, something really came alive within me. The Holy Spirit was directing me to join the Lord in proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. And of course, I was excited to do so. 
to think that I would be announcing the same liberating truths that Jesus himself proclaimed during his earthly tenure was indeed exhilarating. And then I began to wonder, which year are we talking about? Which year is the year of the Lord's favor? With my mind fixed firmly upon the law of Moses and the Old Testament year of Jubilee, I was intent on finding when the next Jubilee would be on the modern calendar. If God was going to have a year of favor, I wanted to know exactly when to expect that year. Of course, you have probably guessed already what I learned that day as I continued to pray, to study, and to lay this whole concept of favor before the Lord in an effort to gain his wisdom on the matter. What I learned is that every year is the year of God's favor, especially for those who no longer live under the Old Testament law, but who live under the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. At that moment.